0: Al Jazeera podcast. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI, and I've inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Your class starts January 8th. Necessary Tomorrows an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. It's been in a state of near perpetual war for decades. It receives billions of dollars a year in aid and weapons and has consistently broken international law by expanding its occupation and settlements. Several governments and international rights organizations say it must be investigated for war crimes in Gaza. Is Israel a normal state? How does it compare to failed states? I'm Cyril Vanier, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests in Chicago. We are joined by Ali Abunima, the co-founder of the Electronic Intifada, an independent online news publication focusing on Palestine. In Washington, D.C., is Paul Turner, the president and executive director of the Fund for Peace. That's a nonprofit research organization that produces the annual Fragile States Index, or FSI. We'll be talking about that in a moment. And in Haifa is Ilan Pape, Israeli historian, author of The Idea of Israel, A History of Power and Knowledge. A warm welcome to you all. Ali, let's go to you first. One year after Operation Lead, that was the 2008 uh, war in Gaza, you wrote an article entitled Israel Resembles a Failed State, and that assessment was based partly on the destruction that you saw in Gaza, on Israel's standing in the international community, as well as other factors. If you had to complete or rewrite that article today, 14 years on, what would be your assessment? Sadly,
1: it would be the same. Uh, What I wrote uh, in 2008 or 2009, and again in 2014, is Israel is a so-called state that was founded on expulsion, ethnic cleansing, and what uh, uh, historian Ilan Pape has called incremental genocide. And what we predicted over the years is that this incremental genocide could become a very rapid genocide. And that's what we have seen since October seventh. a genocide that is being fueled by lies, by demonization of the Palestinian people, by dehumanization. And uh, I think that a state that can only exist by oppressing, uh, expelling, dispossessing and ultimately exterminating the indigenous people of the territory it exists on. Paul Turner, uh,
0: president and executive director of the Fund for Peace, a nonprofit research organization that produces the annual Fragile States Index. As I said in the in the opener, I want to talk about that index because you rate Israel and you rate separately Palestine on this fragility um, uh, gradient. Um, explain to us how it works. I mean, the, the briefly, your methodology is that you look at a number of quantitative, qualitative factors. Uh, The politics of a country, the economics of a country, the society of a country. So we can put that up on screen because you you do share that with people who go on your website. And then you give all these countries a grade and you put them in buckets from sustainable to uh, at the the low end of the scale, um, failed state, essentially. Where does Israel stand?
2: I think Israel is facing a really challenging situation in that it has both external and, and internal pressures. A lot of countries um, that are out there obviously uh, will will experience one or the other. Um, those internal pressures have been escalating recently um, for for reasons that you've already shared in, in the broadcast. Um, however, I think it it currently is is far from a failed state. Um, when when we think about failed states, a lot of times those, for example, in the security sector, uh, they they talk about how they no longer how they have a monopoly on the use of force um, within their borders. At the fund for peace, as as you referenced, we tend to believe it's it's more meaningful to talk about uh, in terms of state fragility than than state failure necessarily, because every country in the world has pockets of fragility. Uh, And that fragility exists on a spectrum or a continuum where countries have very high social, economic, political, and security stresses, and some have less. Um, And Israel is is experiencing a a combination. Um, Countries at the top of our fragile states index, for example, like Somalia and Afghanistan, have difficulty governing across their territory. Uh, They typically have forest borders, often armed groups operating within their borders and experience major societal divisions uh, fragile states typically experience protracted, recurrent humanitarian crises uh, with, with high levels of sustained human suffering. So uh, as you hear some of those descriptors of, of a, a failed state, you can tell that Israel really has has quite a, a ways to go before it gets there, which is a good thing. But it's also experiencing those incredible stressors, and it needs to be proactive in dealing with those in, in, instead of let, letting them fester and, and exacerbate.
0: So, I noticed, actually, looking at your index, so, to be clear, index um, Israel rates pretty highly. Uh, it rates pretty well in, in that index. It's near uh, where the United States is. It's in the 140 range, and you measure about 179 countries, if I'm not mistaken. But... Uh, a while ago, a while back, you used to measure Israel and the occupied West Bank, and you would get to a very different grade, overall grade. Whereas I've noticed now over the last, I think it's three years, you measure Israel and Palestine very, uh, you measure them separately, such that Israel gets a essentially a good grade. It's, you assess it to be a stable country, and Palestine, a low grade on the fragility index. Why did you disassociate the two, bearing in mind that Palestine is uh, the Palestinian territories, the occupied West Bank is, well, occupied by Israel?
2: Uh, Great question. So, with with all things, we do our best to let data drive us. We we, um, uh, strive to be nonpartisan and and, uh, not not show favoritism and let the information lead where it may. Um, So, as a lot of different um, data sets begin to— uh, to provide information both on Israel and on Palestine, we followed suit. Um, we work by pulling in thousands of different data points, both from e- existing indices as well as, as from um, kind of tools that are, are designed to, to go out and look at what's on the Internet and bring that forward and then work with experts to qualitatively assess that. So, uh, as new information became available that allowed us to separate the two, uh, that's why that happened. Uh, there wasn't anything else behind it other than that.
0: Sure, but it, it does present a very different picture when you look at them together and they are inextricably linked.
2: There, certainly, and, and I think um, it, it might be a little bit naive um, given the uh, interdependence within the region to, to only look at those two. Uh, because I think that you'll see um, the activities taking place today in Israel and Palestine are having a huge impact across the region. And so to, to be able to, um, to justifiably separate you know, any attempts to understand what's going on by only looking at one place or another, I think does it, does it a real disservice.
0: Ali, I see you frowning. Uh, I'll give you a chance to address that in a moment, but I want to turn to Ilan. Um, Ilan, you know, when I look at the FSI, the Fragility uh, Index, it it goes from essentially failed to sustainable. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at the long arc of your work, um, I think it's fair to say you argue pretty powerfully that Israel, in its current construct, with its current policies, within its current borders... Um, and with its current administration, not just of of Israel, but the occupation of Palestinian territories, that trajectory is not sustainable. Is that fair?
3: I think it's a fair assessment, because I think Israel is not just a state. Israel is a project. It's a settler-colonial project. And I do think that we are witnessing the beginning of the end of this uh, project, because it rests on three pillars. One is material, of course, and and there I agree. I mean, when you use an index that looks at sustainability of state according to their material capability, Israel is doing well. And as you mentioned in your introductory remarks, it does well because of the—mainly because of the United States. So this is a condition that can change. The second pillar is the social coherence of the settler society. And we know that this coherence is non-existent anymore. Uh, there is a bit of an optic illusion because of the Hamas operation on the 7th of October that created a sense of unity, but it's not going to cover up for the uh, fragmentation of the society that we have seen until the 7th of October. It seems that coherence that is based, on social coherence that is based on uh, hatred of of the arabs or the palestinians uh, and doesn't have very much uh, anything else in common is not very sustainable and more importantly than anything else of course there is the uh, legitimacy pillar Uh, and of uh, israel enjoys the legitimacy of western governments or uh, governments in the global north and therefore there is a sense that it can still be sustainable because of that support of the elites but it has lost the support of the civil societies. And this is why, probably, it's the only state in the world that lobbies for its existence, not for its policies, not for its better economic uh, performance, but but for its very uh, moral justification, and it's losing uh, that battle. Uh, Just a caveat. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, As an historian, I can tell you that when projects like settler colonialism are reaching their last phase, unfortunately, this can be quite a long period. It doesn't happen in one day or two days. And the problem is, of course, that they become more brutal and ruthless in that last phase, which is, on the one hand, very bad news for for those who are the victims of this state or have been always the victims of this state, which are the Palestinians. But it also means that the Palestinians can Uh, and have to get their act together, because I do think there will be a vacuum once this uh, settler colonial project disintegrates, and there will be something else coming instead of it, which, of course, uh, we all hope—at least I hope—that the Palestinian liberation movement would lead us uh, into a better future when this will
0: happen. Ali, what did you want to say earlier?
1: Yeah, I I just—I mean, you saw me making a face. It's because I find this kind of very dry, very technical uh, uh, pseudo-academic discourse of these indexes, as if you can measure these things with numbers, and it all looks very objective. I just find it very unconvincing. And I find it unconvincing, and this is not anything personal about your other guest. It's a comment on the structure of how these indexes are produced. But when I look at the website of the Fund for Peace, this organization, it's funded by the British government, the Australian government, the Dutch government, by NATO, by Chevron, by a major oil company, uh, among others. And so these are not... um, parties that are going to produce research that uh, casts Israel in a true light, to talk about Israel as a stable country, when it has murdered more than 7,000 children in the past 60 days, to talk about Israel as a stable country, when it has attacked and destroyed hospitals, when it destroyed uh, in the last few days the Palace of Justice in Gaza, destroying the court records and the legal records for hundreds of thousands of people, this is not a a country or a state by any normal definition. And to talk about it in that way is utterly obscene and shows a complete disconnection from reality. Uh, Look at the pictures on the screen now. This is not what normal countries do. And uh, to, to separate The West Bank and Gaza from Israel is another fiction. To pretend you can carve off Israel as some kind of normal, stable country, and the West Bank and Gaza to even—there's no Palestinian state. To call Palestine a state is false. It's like calling the Warsaw Ghetto a state. Uh, This is a killing field, and it's utterly obscene to to, uh, distract attention away from that. Uh, Ilan is correct. This is a settler-colonial project, and it's one that has only ever been able to exist through massacring Palestinians, uh, starting from the 1930s, with the bombings that the Zionists carried out in marketplaces in Palestine, to the massacres of Deir Yassin, and Tantora, and Qibya, and Sabra, and Shatila, to today. Normal countries don't exist on the basis that Israel exists of massacre after massacre after massacre. Israel is not a state, it is a criminal
0: enterprise. Uh, Paul, I assume you probably want to uh, write a response to some of what Ali was saying about the FSI, the the fragility index that you put together.
2: Um, Sure, I I can just share briefly that uh, we actually haven't had any funding in the development of the fragile states index for many years, Uh, so that's all, done in-house. And we haven't ever had a donor come in and and tell us um, how we are to use or to manipulate data. Uh, That's not something that we would stand for and goes against our operating principles. Um, I think that there's a a little bit of of internal dissonance or or friction in terms of our our conversation. Um, There are a number of countries, including my own, um, that are, are fairly stable Uh, but are also involved in in acts that go against some of the the international norms and and, and even arguably the rule of law. Uh, We were involved in two conflicts for almost 20 years um, and and, uh, have uh, active operations taking place around the world um, that, um, that didn't necessarily destabilize us as a country other than having some economic impacts. Uh, so I, I think that, that that may be something that uh, it, it is worth really trying to parse out uh, issues of stability versus whether or not we see um, approval in the way that a country conducts its business um, well, that, and that's whether a question or not I... there is human suffering that's taking place.
0: That's a question I was actually wanted to ask you is about this sustainability since since you measure countries, the FSI measures countries, right, from, from being a quasi-failed state to being sustainable. Um, and I would point out that your report was put together, I, I believe, before the Gaza war. It may look a little different now. I don't know how you would update it. Um, in fact, that's the heart of my question. Is this, what we're seeing, um, sustainable if you factor in what's happened in the last two months?
2: That's a, a great question. Um, I, I think that when you look at Israel and 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 what is causing some of the issues of its fragility, we see uh, concerns in two different places. One is in the area of group grievance and kind of the internal divisions that are taking place, and the other is around the factionalization of the elites. Um, whether or not the what's taken place the last two months is sustainable, um, you know, we don't have a, a crystal ball, nor does anyone else. Um, I, I think uh, as, as we look out to the future, we could anticipate fairly significant drops in, in uh, its fragility. In other words, it's becoming increasingly fragile. Um, yeah. And uh, I think that the data will certainly reinforce that. Um, we also have uh, a tool called a crisis sensitivity simulator, where you're able to take the historical data and introduce low, medium or high level shocks to a country and see what happens. And then when we do this with Israel, uh, we see that, that it does have uh, a protracted effect over time. And I think we could anticipate a, a, a multi-year effort to recover from from the shocks that this is creating, both internal and externally.
0: Okay, let, let me take that to, to Ilan. Um, so Paul was talking about Israel would be will be increasingly fragile as a result of of this conflict, what we've seen over the last two months. Uh, It's possible that future reports will reflect this. You told us a few minutes ago that you think this is the beginning. This marks the beginning of the end of Israel's settler project. I was wondering, what makes you believe that? Do you see concrete signs of that? Or is uh, is that more of a general perception?
3: No, no, it's not a general perception. I can see very concrete evidence for this. Uh, the um, debate that was—it was more than a debate. It was almost like a cold civil war that uh, did not at all concern the Palestinians. It was an internal Jewish uh, debate between—you uh, can call it—the secular state of Israel and the theocratic fundamentalist state of Judea, namely the state that grew in the uh, occupied territories in in the settlements. You could obviously, you could clearly see that the idea of a Jewish state translated into an ethnic, racist, uh, theocracy is winning over the idea, which was anyway, to my mind, was never going to be uh, uh, realistic, of having uh, the same occupation and colonization alongside a pluralist liberal uh, society. So between these two options, the options of fundamentalist, non-democratic, some would say even fascist, uh, Jewish state, and I'm I'm not yet talking even about the Palestinians, uh, is winning support among a large sections of the Israeli Jewish society, and that means that internally there is hardly any cohesion to keep the society uh, together. And economically, the people are holding Israel together from an economic uh, perspective, namely the economic elite of Israel belongs to the secular, so-called liberal Israelis. And they were about to take out their money out of Israel before the 7th of October. Many of them talk about, talked about relocation or immigration. Uh, the the uh, events in the last two months gives the impression as if this is all behind us, but it's not. This will return. And, of course, I, I, I would join Ali, in, in in saying that, apart from all of this, the colonization and occupation of millions of Palestinians through state apparatus that involved hundreds of thousands of people to maintain it is not—as an historian, I, I'm, I'm sure this cannot be upheld forever. And uh, this is not just because of the Palestinian resistance, but it's also because of Uh, uh, processes that we see taking place in the neighboring Arab states, in the Muslim world, in the global south, and in the last sections of the civil society in the global north. All of it doesn't abode well for for the Zionist project, because it seems to be going against history. If you think about it, history is now moving towards decolonization to the end of colonial projects the end of settler colonial project and israel is moving into enhancing the settler colonial project there are so many groups in the world that see that their own struggle for justice is the, uh, is combined with the struggle of palestine for justice yes it has not yet influenced the governments but it has the potential to do this you know you can Look at it differently. There is a huge movement of solidarity with the Palestinian, called the BDS, the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions. The Boycott and Divestment is working. The sanction has not happened yet. But mm. you can see the movement, the potential movement from the BND, if you want, the Boycott and Divestment into the sanction, exactly as happened in the case of apartheid okay. South Africa. That's why I'm saying in this story, we see all these indications that this is about to change. Unfortunately, as happened in apartheid South Africa, this is a moment, a very dangerous moment also for the Palestinian people, because these regimes always fight uh, for their life with the most ruthless and most powerful lethal weapons, as we can see unfolding in front of our eyes in the Gaza Strip uh, today.
0: Just briefly, uh, Ali, I'd like to bring you back in, and this is probably going to be the last answer. As somebody who's uh, advocated for um, one binational states with equal rights for all, um, do you agree with that assessment that we might be right now witnessing the end, the beginning of the end of Israel's current political project?
1: Yeah, I just, I just want to be clear. I, I didn't mean to suggest, uh, regarding the Fund for Peace, that uh, any of these funders were coming in and directly manipulating the data. Of course not. I just meant to say that an organization like that knows that, if they're producing information truthful and critical about Israel, the funding from the Pentagon, the State Department, and uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency, which the Fund for Peace also receives, according to its website, would pretty quickly stop. But yes, we are seeing the end of this colonial project. Um, it's a bloody end. Uh, it's much bloodier than South Africa, Briefly, because please. at the yeah. end of the day, the South Africans said, "We don't. We we can't sustain the level of violence that will ca- it will take to keep." our white supremacist settler colony alive, and they went into negotiations to peacefully end apartheid. Israel needs to be brought to that point through maximum international pressure, and a state that commits genocide, as Israel is doing right now as we speak, has to be brought to a peaceful conclusion and replaced with true democracy, equality, restitution, and decolonization. There is no future for this genocidal entity in Palestine or the region, and it has to be right. brought to a peaceful end.
0: Ali Abunima, Paul Turner, Ilan Pape, thank you very much to all of you for joining us. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Katia lopez horayan Veronica Pedrosa, and Gemma Harries. Studio sound was by Alvaro Galan Madrid. Program was edited by Andre Osthuysen, Zainabadr, and by Jodafrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Wednesday for our next edition.
1: Coming up on the take, with the end of a temporary ceasefire in Gaza, how is the war affecting COP28? And how is COP28 affecting Gaza? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.